Hey everyone out there, how's it going? Welcome to Screenspeak. It's the podcast that's all about movies, life, and so much more. My name is Jordan Anderson, and I'm the creator, the producer, the writer, the host. Uh, Pretty much everything on this podcast is ran by myself, and you're listening to it. So I thank you so very much for doing that. Sincerely, thank you so much for coming by and giving this podcast a listen. It really does mean everything to me. Uh, Plug time. Go ahead and hit that follow button. Hit the bell. Get on social media. Check out Instagram on there. There's a Facebook group. Check out both those. Likewise, follow them. Take part in the community. Talk to people. Talk to me, for that matter, if you want to. I do answer your questions if you ever do submit them. Uh, And for that matter, if you ever do just have anything that you would like to share with me outside of social media, feel free to email the podcast, screenspeakpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's screenspeakpodcast at gmail.com. I'm the only person that's checking those emails right now. Believe me, I don't have some personal assistant that's answering my calls and doing all my stuff. I do it all. So you email me, I'm going to see it, and I will respond. So please go ahead and do all of that because all of it ultimately goes towards building the community, building the podcast that is ScreenSpeak. So really, really appreciate that action that you are doing to make that happen. So thank you. So if you've been listening to the last few episodes, you will know that I'm continuing to go through the archive of recordings that I've captured over the course of the 2023 Cedar Rapids Independent Film Festival. This episode is no different. Uh, However, I do want to rest assured that there is new content coming, so I'm not just having the remainder of any new content coming out just be solely focused on Criff. I do have other stuff coming, which I did share in a recent post on Instagram and Facebook. So, hey, looks like you got to go on there to see what those are all about. How you like that plug? How you like them apples? Horrible Matt Damon impression, but whatever. The show goes on. In this episode, I sit down and I talk with Nate Kaiser. He is a filmmaker, DP, producer, and a wrestler all about his film The Way It Was, which was an official selection at the 2023 Cedar Rapids Independent Film Festival. So here's the synopsis about this movie so we all know what it's about. The Great Depression ravages the lives of those in the 1930s. Tough times, right? And it forces some in turn to go turn to violence. Factory owner James Easton, he, uh, Easton, I think I'm saying that right, or Eston, my apologies, James, fictional character, I don't think he'll mind, James must navigate life while facing the biggest crime boss in town. However, his attempts to help his community may just lead to the destruction of his family. I tried to say destruction very seriously just now, but I mean, it's destruction. It's, it's very serious. We got to talk about it like that. Uh, so on this movie, the way it was, the writer, director, producer, and all crew from this movie were film students at Loris College in Dubuque, Iowa, and a majority of this film was actually shot in Potosi, Wisconsin, so that's sort of the connection and background there on the movie. And as an added bonus to this episode, I'd like to think, I've also included a link in the description that's going to let you watch the entire film free of charge. Uh, and, and I do want to rest assured to everybody out there, I'm no pirate. I'm not, I'm not sailing the high seas of piracy, so that's not what the link is. Nate just has the movie out there so that people can watch it, because after all, this is his first film. And over the course of this conversation, we talk all about the film, of course. We talk about the grassroots efforts of getting the movie made. We talk about the shooting of it. Uh, talk about a lot of different things, including the importance of creating a welcoming atmosphere on set, how he uses cinematography to serve the story, Uh, some upcoming projects that he has going on, and then, of course, the man himself, Nate Kaiser. We talk about him to get to know him better. So here's some more background on Nate. So Nate went to film school, as I mentioned, at Loris College in Dubuque. Uh, He also currently does a fair amount of freelance work for a place called Renovo Media, and he's even worked with them directly on a project that was directed by actor Ethan Hawke, which is a pretty huge name in acting, and just to say that you were a part of anything that he did is pretty, pretty damn cool. And that was on a project that was shot in uh, recently in Louisville, Kentucky, I believe. And Nate also, as I mentioned, is a wrestler. He is a professional wrestler on top of being a filmmaker. And so we also touch on that bit of his life as well. And overall, guys and, and gals, can't just assume it's just guys, right? It's everybody. Everybody's listening to screen speak. Overall, I really did enjoy this conversation. I found Nate to be extremely nice and open when it came especially to his process behind the camera, and I really did sincerely appreciate the way that he was willing to be specific with how he actually accomplished certain things on a film. 
And I don't know why this is like a particular point that bothers me sometimes when I listen to interviews or conversations or other podcasts with filmmakers. I don't understand, and, and I'm talking to the filmmakers here that are giving some of these interviews or, or talking in these types of programs, but have you ever listened to one and someone asks them like a very specific question about like, how did you do this shot? Or how did you do this? Or how did this work out? And they kind of give you a run-of-the-mill answer that doesn't really answer specifically the heart of the question, right? Like they'll end up talking about like what the shot means and things like that, but they don't always just strictly get into this is exactly how I did this and everything I did and so on. So what I enjoyed about Nate is that he didn't do any of that. He was very open and free when he talked about the process of how he works behind the camera and also how he works very hard to take care of the crew and those around him to make sure that everybody feels heard and a part of the process. I really think this guy is going to be going places and I do think that he has a lot to offer in the world of film and I'm really excited just to see what the future holds for him. After listening to this, do me a favor everybody. Look up Nate Kaiser. Look up the cast and crew of The Way It Was. I have a majority of the of the key players that were involved in this movie in the description below. So definitely, definitely take a look at that. Look up their Instagrams. Give them a follow. And even message them too and let them know that you heard about them and their film from ScreenSpeak. That would mean the world to me. I think it would be really sweet to see that ScreenSpeak is having this kind of reach. So make that happen for me, everybody. Let's do it. I don't have anything else to say in this introduction. I just really appreciate you all listening. And I really do hope that you enjoy this conversation I have with filmmaker Nate Kaiser. Yeah, and I appreciate actually having some lighting for this conversation uh, because last night I, I was telling one of the volunteers of the festival that there, there was two German gentlemen that I. I've met a lot of people during this, so that's why I'm not saying their names right off the top, but it was pouring rain outside last night. There is dim to next to no lighting in the corner that I was at, and we're talking about World War II and Germans and war, and I'm like, this is this so is kind moody. Of, this is intense. Yeah, this is moody. I'm like, I guess I kind of helped, but this is this is a much more pleasant environment. It is, it is very nice to see your bright and shining face this morning, Jordan. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, so, okay, I, why don't you tell the people that are listening, of course, your name, uh, what you did on your movie, of course, the movie we're going to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. My name is Nate Kaiser, and I was the director of photography and producer for The Way It Was. Um, and I co-created uh, The Way It Was with Jake Heline, and he was the uh, screenwriter and director of the film. So I know fairly well what DPs do and, and all that, but I always like to ask someone that you know is doing producer work on a film just exactly what that means because i think sometimes people they hear producer and they're like so they wrote a check yeah or like what did they actually produce in it so can you talk about that a little bit the the producing world i think is you know it's like it's it's like the wild west in filmmaking and kind of producers do different jobs overall um and I think, you know, mainly for this movie, because it is a student production, it's not like I can take the full role of a producer, like you said, where we have funding and, and different things to be kind of in charge of, where my job really was just regulated to making sure that the world building in the film was successful and that basically all the moving parts of the film were successful. We got everybody there on time, yeah. we got everything done, everybody got fed on set, you know, we got the shots we needed, we made our days, so yeah. that, I was kind of the, the ringmaster of that whole party during it's, the film. It's a logistical ballet, if you will, because of Absolutely. all the moving parts that you just mentioned, and I think that's, that's a nice thing I've actually heard from talking with several of the filmmakers at this, is the importance of organization on the set you know oh because gosh. you're always running against the clock money is always being spent basically every minute um, and so time is precious especially on a independent student ran production I expect absolutely time time is the most valuable asset for every filmmaker and the the number one thing that I think shows how well a production can be run and kind of how successful the production is going to turn out is is how well you know those who are backing the project and creating it um how much time they dedicate to just doing prep work for the project and everything like that you know mm -hmm. it's always it's it was jake 
and I's goal to run this project as smoothly as we could, but to as high of a level as we could, even though mm-hmm. it was a student production. I mean, we ran our sets just like you would step onto any Hollywood production. And, and you've and worked on other things besides this, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I have worked. I've worked on a couple different projects that are here um, at the, fest- the film festival, and then I've worked on other uh, independent shorts and feature films as well. Comparatively to those other ones, I mean, where does this one sort of stand for you if you're looking at it like that? The, you know, this film was... I'd worked on a couple um, independent short films before this, so mm-hmm. I had had some, some, some examples of kind of how um, people in the positions that I was going to be in handled their own sets. Yeah. So I I actually based a lot of how we ran this set off of people that I had seen work here in Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, Christian Day is a producer here in Iowa. Um, I've worked on a lot of projects that Christian Day has been the assistant director on, and I think he is one of the most talented guys in Iowa. He runs a set like nobody's business. How's, and, he, how's he run on it? I mean, just like we said, doing your prep work. Yeah. <clears throat> making sure that you know you're not afraid to be the guy that's on set that ha- there somebody has to be there to keep everybody on time right and not everybody is going to be happy but you have to be able to make the day and yeah. Christian has just been such a great asset for me and been up to bat for me as well so I try to base as much of my organizational skills and my prep work off of what I've seen him do does that extend for you off the set just personally like some of the organizational traits that you are doing on the set do you carry some of those things just into your daily life oh yeah absolutely i have a a weirdly obsessive issue with (laughs) structuring my lifestyle um and i think it's just like if if i if i wasn't as dedicated to like a structured lifestyle outside of film i don't think it would uh convey as well when i step into the the working world as well so do you keep a to-do list um Sometimes, I mean, I think for, for all of my work, I, I primarily do, but everything else that I do is really just me kind of, I'm just on a structured time zone almost every day. I'm hitting, doing the same stuff every day at the same time. So. No, I was going to say, like, I mean, you, you got to be a, a master of multitasking to, to get this stuff done. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's, it's just, it's, it's something where you can't, you just can't be afraid to, to you know, this, this film was a, a massive undertaking for us and there was a lot of moving parts. So I just had to know that you had to be ready to be the one who's in charge of all mm-hmm. of these variables and all of these moving parts and be able to handle that under the pressure. So let me ask you some questions specific to the film. Because yeah. uh, first off, thanks for sending me the screener this morning. I was able to watch it. So thank you for that. Yeah. Not in the beautiful confines of a theater as was <laughs> probably intended for watching something like this, but it actually was it was good to be able to see it beforehand and you know kind of get away from the hubbub of the festival so i could kind of really i mean i quite literally watched it on my computer at yeah. home uh it was just me i didn't even frankly have pants on yet like i just hey. like I, you know i got a, I had a shirt and blanket <laughs> wrapped around so i'm not like doing anything strange like that but yeah. watched it in total comfort but let me get into the questions so First, I'm always curious, and, and I've been curious about this now since I've seen several shorts at this festival. There's been 51 entries total, and many of them are shorts, but mm-hmm. the length of it, right? How does that sort of get determined, or is it like purely just we got enough money to get this much out of it, or people's time, or story-wise, you're like, this needs to be, I think it's around like 46 minutes or so, yep, right? Yep, absolutely. The uh, That is a great question, and it's an even weirder story, because the project was designed to be episodes this this entire project was designed to be jake and i's capstone project at loris college and and we we set out and and made the personal goals of making the biggest project that loris had ever seen i mean this was the biggest film that any student like to has, date at the college there, yes, you know. has, has attempted <clears throat> to make variables locations just the length of the story i mean mm-hmm. at the end at the end of production we had 60 minutes of footage we we luckily got an, like at least 15 minutes cut out for for our festival screener so, so there's get a director's cut out there somewhere <laughs> there, there is a there is a very trashy director's cut <laughs> with an extra 15 minutes that does not need to be in there um but yeah we we got into the post-production process and said wow this is great you know we've got mm-hmm. five episodes here and i think that's why something that that jake and i learned was you know we went into the project anticipating having 
building episodes. So all we tried to do was hook him at the beginning and sure. hook and hook him at the end mm-hmm. and keep him wanting to come back and see it. Well, we get done making the film and all of a sudden we're like, hey, we should submit this to some festivals. Well, yeah. you guys aren't going to get to submit to basically any festivals because you're, you have a student project that's an hour long. It's like no, nobody wants to watch that. So we're like, okay, let's try to figure out a way that we can restructure this and, and cut down some of that time where we ended mm-hmm. up you know, figuring out, hey, let's just try to rework stuff and, and maybe play around with it in post-production and figure out a way to just let it live as one whole film Mm -hmm. and it took us a while it it took us a while a couple different renditions to try to figure out kind of how all the pieces talked to each other Mm -hmm. but you know after all i think i'm I'm much happier with it being one one structured film instead Mm -hmm. of being in episodes for sure you know i know for myself i'm uh well i'm a movie person i that shouldn't be surprising of course because my podcast is centered around films but i do appreciate short form content uh tv shows and and whatnot for sure but i i agree with you that the length of something really can absolutely make a big difference on the viewer um i'm somebody that you know tv shows like you know if it doesn't hook me after like the first couple episodes i'm patient and like i know like i'll get there eventually um but I also don't really feel like I have time sometimes for that. And I like just the full kind of roller coaster that a feature can, can kind of put me into. Uh, and then, of course, the beautiful part is that it ends and I don't have to watch it for nine seasons. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but let me ask you, so talking about the time period of this one, um, being around Prohibition era, 1930s, I yep. want to say is when this is at. Yep. Um, where did that inspiration come from or, or why why the period setting? I became like the biggest fan of Peaky Black blinders on netflix and and that <laughs> i was, did notice some of those hats are in there. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was that was the the biggest inspiration for me um and i ended up just going to jake and being like hey i know how to use a camera i know how to light yeah you know how to write you know how to direct let's not beat around the bush and try to do jobs that we don't know how to do let's mm-hmm. just work together there's duos of guys let's just figure out a way that we can make this work and luckily enough we fell in love with the process of working together and you know we're hoping to to work on on uh our next film uh coming up but the the in in the infant stages it, it definitely felt like way too much of like just a straight homage to like Peaky Blinders and, and Mm -hmm. a testament to to Jake knowing and like being, Hey, I think we need to take the story and put it in a different place and maybe make this more of like a family driven type thing and just Mm -hmm. let, let the world kind of function and let, let, you know, some of the things that are some of these um, different locations we go to instead of like having the entire backbone of the film be built off of like action and violence it's mm-hmm. just meant to be there to, to keep you paying attention mm-hmm. it's just meant to to show that like hey this this violence and these these guys did just come out of anywhere and they could just show up whenever so i think mm-hmm. he that was something that jake just brought to the table was knowing that we needed to have that balance on family community the violence and everything within the story where was it shot at so we primarily shot probably 80 80 percent of the film was shot in potosi wisconsin okay we had one scene that was shot in benton um illinois mm-hmm. and then we had two scenes i believe that were shot in dubuque okay iowa so we hit three we did the tri-state area <laughs> and that, that was one that was one of my personal goals was i just wanted it to be a flex of shooting in three different states too and where do you where do you get all the wardrobe for something like this we had all of the wardrobe came from loris's theater Mm-hmm. Um, we were just, Jake was the, the president of the theater. He's been a theater head guy and done improv and done stand up comedy. And, and we were really just looking for the most cost effective way of yeah. getting this done because, you know, <clears throat> at the end of the day too, it's, it's student production. We don't, we didn't have 10 grand to throw at this thing. Do you mind me asking what the budget was for this? I mean, pretty much the budget was non-existent up until okay. when we were like, okay, I, I knew that we were I was going to have to personally just sink some cost into this to get it to where I felt comfortable enough, like having mm-hmm. my name on it, you know? Where, where was the money really spent at, that you did put into it? Our money was primarily spent on the lenses that we rented to film it on, which was just some really super basic, like, cinema lenses, right. like, consumer-level <clears throat> cinema lenses. And, and 
for me, the biggest thing was taking care of my cast and crew. I, I, the, I run a very, very tight ship on, mm-hmm. on set, and, and it's almost a mandatory that, like, you got to have coffee, you got to have food. If you don't have good food for people to mm-hmm. fuel themselves during the day, right. you are not going to get the best uh, performances. You're not going to get the best work out of the crew. Yeah. So it's if, they, if, if they have to show up at 6 a.m. for the shoot, but they can show up at 6 a.m. and have good food and good coffee and yeah. good vibes on set, that's the important thing. So I, that's where we dumped a, a lot of our money in was just making sure everybody was happy. You know, those are those are leadership qualities, though, honestly, because uh, I, you know, I, I won't uh, name specific names. I'm like, you know, <clears throat> past bosses I've had or, you know, current ones and whatnot. But um I've been fortunate that I, I've been under a boss where uh, they said to me once, like, you know, yeah, on paper, like, you know, you report to me and stuff like that, but I work for you. And I was like, what, like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? Yeah. And they just said, they're like, well, look, you're not going to deliver good work unless I'm taking care of you. And you're not going to want to work for me unless we have trust in each other and kind of see the same outlook on, or not outlook, but uh, end goal for some of these things. Yeah. And it was really refreshing to hear this boss kind of like, just put that in perspective that like, you know, leaders ultimately want to, you know, be proud of the people that are under them. And they, there's a symbiotic relationship. I think that kind of forms with some of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's, it's the, you know, undertaking making a film you as a director and as like one of the co-creators it's your responsibility to see this project through Mm -hmm. to its fullest potential and you know there's the as you as you start to scale in the film industry and i've just been lucky enough i am so like i'm only 24 years old but i've gotten the chance to work on some pretty big projects and seeing how those people who mm. are in like the later stages of their career but are at the t- like playing at that top level yeah <clears throat> knowing that when you get to sets like that it's not always like don't talk to the director don't talk to the crew don't even look at me don't even try to yeah, don't even that, try to breathe in my area like that's that, a, that pretentiousness yes that, yeah. that's that's a very <clears throat> real thing that exists in yeah. the film world and yeah. <clears throat> i've just been lucky enough to work around uh people in leadership positions that think yeah. that type of thinking is is totally in the past i definitely think that's healthy uh i, I I'll, I'll tell you this i, I definitely won't uh name name names because i'm actually not sure like who who this person actually was but it was at the at this festival actually mm-hmm. um so i've met a lot of different filmmakers and even some of the cast that's been in some of these uh shorts and even some of the documentaries that have been uh, put out here and which has been great um, mostly glorious, mostly glorious uh, stuff on that, but there was there was one where I didn't quite get a chance to to talk to this filmmaker, and I had actually gotten an email from I guess what I thought was like personally them uh, uh-huh. prior to like the festival saying like hey you know like I'm interested in talking like let's let's you know hook up with the thing and I was like oh there's that person I should go ahead and you know try to you know just be like hey remember you you emailed me like let's let's talk and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, very interesting because they were with two other people and you know I went I went up to them like as I pretty sure they were leaving and you know just saying like hey like did my thing and I felt like I was talking to like someone from the Beatles or something because uh, right away like one of the other people that was with them almost acted like the like you don't talk to him kind of like you don't you don't do that kind of thing like they gave me a card like oh you contact like us like through this and I was like uh, but like you emailed me like what yeah. like what was going on and, and anyways like i was just like uh, a little off-putting you know for something like that but that said i think the majority of people would be inclined to agree with what you're saying where you want a sense of collaboration and people that are enjoying their time together and you want to feel that environment on the set regardless of what the subject matter is by the way exactly exactly it's one of those you know to me it's it's just a non-negotiable on set it's like everybody no matter the role is a such a valuable important piece to this puzzle mm-hmm. like it's not the actors can't just be good the direction can't just be good yeah. the cinematography can't just be good they all have to work 
in coercion with one another. Mm-hmm. And if one of those is offbeat, it is so clear to see it play out on film. That's why films are so hard to make, and yeah. especially a good film. Like, it's so hard and so rare because there are a million different variables that have to line up perfectly for it's a, it's a, a film. It's a miracle anytime one really gets made, it honestly. Is. It is, absolutely. So I gotta ask some technical questions about this movie because yeah, uh, there's there's definitely moments, of course, where there's action. And I really never, like, I guess, not that I didn't appreciate action, because I'm actually always a person, especially when physical choreography and stunts are involved. I'm like, you know, stunt people need an Oscar. Like, this, this is a category that goes largely That's unnoticed. Truth. That but is the truth. But looking at it from such a small production like this, figuring out how you're able to pull off, you know, believable gun shootouts, um, you know, some of the the effects with that. Of course, I, there's a couple uses where, you know, someone's head gets blown off and, like, some of the blood splatter, like, goes on camera. Yep. yep. Um, talk me through some of those just decisions on kind of how you're able to do that and then even be specific if you could and talk yep. about, like, you know, what programs did you guys use to pull that off? Yeah. Um, the My... You know, being the cinematographer for the piece, Mm -hmm. it was my job to take the script that Jake has written, take his story, and figure out how to best visually tell the emotions that we're trying to get in the scene. So it's the actor's job to convey those emotions. But so many people look over the fact that that camera can be doing something to help emphasize that emotion. Mm -hmm. So for us, it it was something where when we approached it, um, I personally, like when you go to make a film, Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's always best to set rules for yourself because if you don't have rules, all of a sudden it's just an ocean. You're just looking at the ocean. Filmmaking is an ocean. Mm -hmm. You have to narrow it down and find like the path that you're going to walk on, right? There's so many different ways that you could go. So what are the rules that you've set out for this one? So uh, the the, the three big rules that I had set was from a cinematography standpoint, I was always going to be shooting shadow side of my actors. So if if they are key lit from the right hand side of the screen, Mm -hmm. the camera is always going to be on the left hand side of them. So if you're sitting here, you're you're key lit by this lamp right here to your (laughs) left, right? So since the light is on the right hand the right half side of your face i'm always Mm going to be on the left hand side instead because it's just that the the way that you kind of let it kind of get that rembrandt lighting to a face it does help Mm -hmm. convey a little bit more of a moody environment and we weren't trying to stray away from putting people in those emotional moments of the Mm -hmm. film so making sure that we shot shadow side was very important um one of the other biggest things for me was when our main antagonist Mickey was on screen the camera was always handheld okay when the camera when Mickey isn't in the scene the camera is locked off but when the bad guys enter the scene the camera goes handheld now what, you what, can, why that choice I mean what does that do the, the, the purpose of doing that is to take you from this stagnant storytelling perspective kind mm-hmm. of this wider view as we're watching this family drama mm-hmm. unfold and then pushing you right next to the characters putting you in that environment and i just think the the handheld feeling of that adds mm-hmm. a level of tension and it adds a level of rawness to that scene and basically the only time Mickey was going to be on screen was when some kind of action was happening. So it was also easier for me just to be floating around with the camera if it was handheld. But Makes you, sense. it's just little, little tiny things that, that some of the viewers would never even realize. Mm-hmm. But um, subliminally, it's totally affecting you. Yeah. I enjoyed, I mean, I admit, I enjoyed the action. <laughs> I mean, that, that, those, were, those were probably uh, my most enjoyable parts of the movie um, because I think where the short was effective at the most is when it kind of got down to its core of just there's this gangster in town yep. who basically is a controlling dick and is not letting anybody <laughs> encroach on his turf but even like like no one even like practically wants to work with this guy because because he's, he's terrible yep uh and it's basically like the the townspeople going like okay um we, we can't do this like yep. literally like like we got to do something, and if that if that means one of us gets shot, then then one of us gets shot. Yeah. So I did enjoy that. Like all the, t- the townspeople are just like <laughs> you get like the bartender. There's a I, 
banker guy, you know, and yep. they're just like, okay, like, we'll we'll go ahead and just go find this guy's house and take him down. Yep. Um, so that, that was definitely interesting. Uh, I also enjoyed the, the vehicles as well, um, because obviously they're real. That's not, that's not computers. Yep. Um, where'd you get the cars? Um, now, obviously, two of the cars are not 1930s cars. We- I mean, I wouldn't know for sure, because like, <laughs> I'm not like that person that's like, that's a 1930s yes. Oldmobile Chevy. Like, <laughs> no, I you, don't know. You are the perfect set of eyes for this movie then, because <laughs> obviously, like being a student production, there we didn't have a large budget. Some things are only yeah. as obtainable as what you can kind of people will offer to do like Mm -hmm. just you know out of their own pocket right um we were lucky enough that the city of potosi all of a sudden became the number one place to shoot a movie uh and our movie because they had every location and every person and Mm -hmm. every car that i needed every car came from potosi it was like the entire community of potosi wisconsin said you want to make this movie well we're going to make sure you make this movie how how, yeah yeah, talk about that too because that that is interesting because so often i think we forget that where a film is shot apart from its emphasis on the story you're setting up shop in a community Absolutely. and oftentimes i'm sure these community people they're like we have no idea who these people are they're making some film like what is that going to be like for this being our first film you know i don't know if we really did it the correct way but that was a, a personal goal for myself was hey we're gonna have to live in this town for a while these people need to like us we need to make sure that we're taking care of their space and that we're mm-hmm. respecting it and we're trying to tell a story and not tell like a story that's we're not just trying to come in and shoot some topical movie and just use the buildings and hop out of mm-hmm. it we're trying to help like the story isn't set in potosi mm-hmm. but we're using the character and and the buildings in that town to help tell our own stories so mm-hmm. you know it, it was a big deal to me to find people who wanted to see the movie succeed as much as we wanted it to succeed and it's a it's a hilarious story because in the the spring of my junior year at Loris I had pitched the project to Jake he said okay let's game we'll do it I'll write it you shoot it we'll do it sure I said okay well we need to figure out a place <clears throat> we're going to shoot this we needed places close enough to Dubuque that you know because Loris is in Dubuque mm-hmm. we need places close enough that we could we could commute to but it's not like we couldn't be making hour drives for production right it, right. it, was, it was a thing where we were all students it had to be a weekend warrior type thing and we yeah, had to knock yeah. it out um, how long did this take the shoot we shot I believe it was 10 total production days so it was about five weekends that okay. we that we ended up shooting and is that like pretty much like full full days like just kind of across the board for those yeah or? we had i believe we had two days that were probably half days but the rest of mm-hmm. the days were were full working days yep what did you do when the like production wrap like what did, what did people do i mean i'm always curious like if everyone's like okay that's a wrap and you know someone opens champagne because everybody's happy yeah. about it just being <laughs> done i mean was there any sort of camaraderie like that after the fact oh my gosh yeah it, it was awesome because you know there's so many unique things that had to happen for this movie even to happen like you said it's a miracle like i really do believe that we went through (laughs) we went through three lead roles before we landed on our lead which turned out to be the best lead that we could have ever had Mm -hmm. we landed on two female leads before we found lauren who ended up being alice okay so we did a lot of moving around of the pieces and luckily enough paul the the uh guy who played mickey he also was not the first person that we had kind of picked to be on our antagonist our our antagonist we had had actors fall through and fall through as we were inching closer and closer and it's hilarious because benji miller um who played our lead james Mm -hmm. he hopped on the project like two weeks before we started shooting oh really and he showed up and i was gonna say i mean like we worked with the film is primarily students and some like rough working actors like people who are not acting really who are just willing to take it out of the time of their day to do it people who've acted in theater before Mm -hmm. and i mean everybody showed up they knew their lines they knew the story we were trying to tell so i mean it was just such a such a grassroots project in that Mm -hmm. sense but yeah after after you wrap it's it's you know after after the normal working days when yeah. you're still shooting and there's still days to come you wrap and you're like okay cool we made our day let's move on to the next one but when we got done it it was it was such an awesome time to just like reflect 
Mm -hmm. look at what you've accomplished, you know, look around, see all your friends that are around you and it helps you kind of make this film. And then you just look forward and you're like, oh my gosh, now there's another daunting (laughs) mountain to go up of post-production. So, Um, (laughs) who who worked on the the visual effects for the movie? I was all me. It was all you. Yep. I did all the post-production work and uh, all of the, I mean, everything in the film is original to us we okay. we did we did it all now which uh do you mind like mentioning like some specific programs that you use yeah. to pull off some of this stuff yeah absolutely because i noticed you know like there was uh, so obviously some blood effects um yep. i definitely noticed there was a few like green screen elements uh, i think like a couple like inside interior shots of the vehicle and there was some of that which you know kudos i mean like i, I wouldn't know how to pull that off myself yeah um so i'm just curious for people that are listening like they'd probably like to know what specific stuff you used to pull that off yeah it's it's something where we we leaned into wanting to do stuff as practically as we could but at the end of the day we're also trying to tell like yeah. this gangster movie so we got to use guns but we can't have i mean they're toy well, yeah, guns good uses yeah. of graphics too like when like you know time passes you have like a two weeks later thing yeah. kind of fly by and like that like that you have to use visual effects for that yeah so, so we we did all of the post-production in the adobe creative suite okay. so uh Premiere Pro, After yep. Effects, Media Encoder, just all the normal stuff that comes with Premiere is what we used. And now, are you pretty proficient with that, or is that just something where, you know, you're always figuring it out, because there's so many things you can do with that? I've I've just been forced to be the one to have to do <laughs> my, my, my own editing, yeah. like, just... just you know, while I was in college and, and kind of getting my feet wet, mm-hmm. you're a one man band most of the time. So you just do, I just had to figure it out. And, yeah. and it's one of those things where I, I know, and Jake knows what we want and the, the emotional beats that need to be happening. And like, mm-hmm. you, when you go into it and you shoot it, like I already have the eye for knowing when I want to be cutting around the scene. So it's yeah. just easier if, you know, we end up editing it ourselves. So so I want to talk about you. Yeah. Talk about this movie and you know whatnot, which uh, I, yeah. I actually enjoy you being very specific about some yeah. of these things that happen on there because I think it's interesting. But I want to talk about you. Um, you know, where are you from? Let's start with that. Um, well, my name is Nate Kaiser. Um, <laughs> I am originally from Rockton, Illinois. All right. Uh, it's about an hour and a half uh, outside of Chicago. So mm-hmm. no, I'm from Illinois, but I am not from Chicago. <laughs> I am from a rural, small town in Illinois, uh, about 3,000 people. Mm-hmm. And when I graduated high school, I said, you know, I think I want to figure out how to get into the movie making world. Uh, had no idea that film schools were a thing. So ended up falling in love with Loris College. My dad was an alumni of Loris. So what's, your da- what's your dad do? Uh, my dad's retired now, but he was he was a special ed teacher um, okay. and a wrestling coach for 30 years. And so. you're a wrestler yourself, right? I mean, like, you, yep. you got a build, so I'm like, <laughs> I, I could kind of picture it, so. Yep, uh, grew, up, grew up wrestling and playing football, and, and now I do, uh, I'm a professional wrestler as well, which is more theatrical, you know, storytelling, I call it physical theater, but yes, it is where, like... Where do you perform that stuff at? Um, I train in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh-huh. uh, Brew City Wrestling, okay. um, but I'm hoping to be on the independent circuit very soon here in the Midwest, so... what? I mean, I could have a lot of questions about you yeah. on that, but I mean, can you give me some examples of the places where you have put on this wrestling now? Because you said it's performative, right? Yeah, I mean, professional. It's like, you know, if you know who John Cena and Hulk Hogan is, that's yeah. what I do. Yeah, it? no, because I think that distinction's important because yeah. some, some people would easily be like well okay there's like the rolling around on the mats uh, yeah. with like the people that wear like the I'm trying to think there is uh, actual collegiate wrestling which is the yes. guys who wear singlets and yes they are the baddest dudes on the planet I'm and sure is, I would not want to be trapped with them yes <laughs> I also did you see it snowing outside right now Welcome to Iowa, ladies and gentlemen. Good where Lord, we this will, place cannot make up its mind. We will hit all four seasons in one day. Um, no, so okay, so, so uh, your dad, special ed teacher. Yeah. Uh, what about your mom? What she My do? mom um, was a PGA instructor, and she owned her own golf course. So we we ran a golf course in our hometown. She owned it for really, yeah, twenty plus years. Ran it with my dad. He taught at the high school, and that was kind of our. our do they like the movie? Gig. Do they like the movie Caddyshack? <laughs> they they like, do oh, love God. the movie Caddyshack. <laughs> Um, and, and you know, so it sounds like early on, like you kind of got the the bug for I want to pursue filmmaking, whatever shape that might take, absolutely um, as as a career. I mean, what do they think about that? They, my parents have I've only been able to do all of this because of them. I mean, they were there really? every weekend. They drove two hours to come to Dubuque every weekend. They were there 
early as I needed to be. They brought yeah. us coffee. They brought us food. I mean, like I am, you know, my family unit is me and my parents. It's yeah. three of us, and you know, we have a very unique relationship where they are so game and helping me achieve my goals that they're yeah. there. They're just they're welcome. they're happy to be there and they're happy to help and I think they've really enjoyed this process as well. They're both in the movie. So are they? yeah uh, my, who, my, who are they in the movie? Uh, my dad is the bartender who oh. gets brutally beat up and shot on the he, floor. Yeah I was gonna say he eats it pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> he does, he does. He uh, he was very, very proud that he grew his hair out for that role. Um, okay. and my mom is actually in that scene too. She's the performer on the uh, on the stage in the back of the bar kind of swaying oh, around. Okay. Yep. Very, very cool. Yep. Um, now, I'm, I'm just curious because, you know, I, I don't know you well, but you've yep. been one of the people that I've enjoyed talking with most at this thing. I'm not, not just saying that to you. You're a friendly Thank guy. You. Um, but you strike me as having a pretty serious uh, work ethic about this stuff. Yep. Um, I just kind of get that sense from you. So I'm just curious, like, how much of that is coming from your parents? I mean, how much of that's just you? Um, I would say 90% of it came from how my parents raised me. Yeah. They, they are both insane individuals so i am an insane individual insane what, what do you mean insane? we just have we have i would say they are healthy and not healthy obsessions with just staying like if if you want to obtain this thing or this is the path that you want to be on yeah do everything that you can do to make sure that you are checking the boxes on yeah. getting closer and closer to the goals that you want and that's just something that you know watching them both be coaches watching them both be you know members of the community mm -hmm. that people looked to and there were a lot of people who looked to them as the ones who could step into those leadership roles and mm -hmm. kind of take charge i mean my dad was a head wrestling coach my mom owned the golf course. She was a teacher. They're both teachers. Yeah. I think I kind of, I, I, some of that has rubbed off on me where I just love, even, even making this movie, it was all about how many people from Dubuque, how many, how many young people in the film world can we grab to be a part of this with us and just bring with us on this roller coaster. Are, 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 are you lock, locking them in physically? <laughs> yes, Is we it, are. You're threatening people? We're, we're locking them in. We're squeezing the head. We're trying to <laughs> trying you know, to make a tap. You know, I, I think that's telling though. Um, and one, it's it's really cool to hear that you have the support system that you have in your family and just kind of how much that means to you. And and obviously, like between teaching special ed, you know, you know people with uh, special needs like that, I, I can I can relate to that. I, I might talk to you a little bit about that off off, uh, yeah, off the absolutely. podcast um, but yeah I think they're already kind of like in leadership positions themselves with having yep. to oversee stuff so naturally I would assume that would trickle onto you yeah um, but I think the thing I admire most about people like you know like yourself that are doing this is the proactiveness of it um, I was telling somebody this a while ago because they were I've had a few people they know I do podcasting um, just in my day job and someone was asking me like you know how did you like get you know kind of like get into this like you know who showed you the ropes and blah 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 and for some reason I thought of uh, this quote from The Departed oh yeah um, <laughs> where Jack Nicholson's the beginning totally not at all the context for this but I promise it'll make sense oh yeah it's a simple line. He literally just says, I'll do my bad Jack Nicholson impression please, of please. Uh, nobody gives it to you. You have to take it. <laughs> and he says it like that, but honestly, there is truth in just that simple statement in that you really got to kind of be your advocate. Yeah. Like nobody really is going to just, you know, unless, I don't want to say like nobody because I have had times in my life where I've had somebody purposely like go out of their way to be like i want to help you yep um but it's exceptionally rare because most people and certainly creatives that i've met in my own journey they are very opinionated yep. and they are very much motivated by their own uh aspirations but you you know the I don't know. There, I guess what I'm just trying to get at with that is that there's there's a drive that you have to have in yourself and and belief, and that's a that's a really big thing. And if you don't kind of have that from either you know someone that's going to mentor you or good parents, uh, you know friends that are seeing that you know fuck it, you're going to make mistakes at this, but you're going to learn. I just think there's a lot of people that could do more uh, with their lives if they had that or knew that they could get that. But it does start with you. I sound like I'm giving a Tony Robbins uh, speech, but but it's true. 
It is, absolutely. And it's one of those things where I have gotten extremely lucky with meeting amazing mentors. Not just my parents. Yeah. Mentors in the film world, mentors in in every facet. You know, that's just something that I crave. I crave to find someone who's yeah. done this before. I crave to find someone who is willing to help me figure out how to do this. Yeah. And luckily enough, I've just met about five or six people who are willing to go up to bat for me for about anything. So it's just like, I think there's also that feeling of wanting to like give back that kind of thing yeah. and, and bring along, you know, for us, it was a student thing. So mm-hmm. it was just like, how many of our peers can we, you know, bring on this thing with us and, and, yeah. and bring on this roller coaster? So, so what's coming next for you? Um, right now, that is a great question. Um, <laughs> this this has been, you know, this is our first film festival that uh, the the film has screened at. It's been super interesting to to see it, put it in front of a crowd. It'll be awesome to see the reception that it gets today at the at the student screening. Yeah, it plays uh, at like two o'clock, I think, something like that, right? Yep. Yep. Um, overall, uh, Jake and I are super happy, but we're also itching to just make another movie. Mm-hmm. We're happy that this one did what it was supposed to do, but all it was was film number one for us. It was the first film. So okay. the only way that we're going to get better at making movies is just to make another one. So yeah. we're, we're in the process of kind of figuring out our creative direction for our second project, but we both loved working do you together. Have, do you have an idea of what that second project is? I mean, I don't want to... You, yeah. you don't have to reveal too no, no, much no, if yes, it's still, yes. still early. Yes, but. yes. We do, we do uh, absolutely kind of know the direction we would like to head in. Um, one of the unique things about the way it was is that, you know, this was like my baby, my project that I wanted to do. Jake came on and helped write a script that fit the story that I wanted to tell. Where now, like, you know, I want Jake to be as open and to be as creative as a writer. So the second time around, we're really looking more to let the story and the script totally organically grow from him and let him as the director explore that realm more mm-hmm. and let me as a DP as someone who is kind of taking that script and then visually turning it into something Yeah, I, I wanted to almost let Jake be the one to invest write a script and then just kind of let me hop onto it at that point then so it's more of his voice and his story and then all that I can bring to the table is everything creatively so yeah. we're, we're both we, we both have this really weird thing about wanting to make time period movies. I love time period movies. I think... Do you have like a favorite setting? Or a, a favorite time? I, honestly, I don't think so. Right now, for our, our second film, yeah. we are leaning in the direction of setting it in the 70s. Hell yeah, let's go. Um, I've been on a super huge kick of movies like Seven. Okay. You know, Detective serial killer type kind of noir movies. type yeah, uh, noir. You know, seedy underground underbelly movies like that yep so we're we're trying to to figure out some interesting kind of detective thriller mm. set in the 70s story that that we could uh we could invest in and, and hopefully film all of it here in iowa because we did this whole project in iowa and we just we want to keep working here we think it's awesome that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, w- now, where can people learn more just about yourself, about the you know the way it was? Uh, you know, your product. You have a production company you're involved with, uh, Cheap Heat Productions. Is that right? Yep, Cheap Heat Productions is uh, the production company that I run. That's my LLC. That that uh, is what you would call just the umbrella over mm-hmm. you know production company for sure. for this movie and, and will be for the second one. Um, but Cheap Heat Productions is just my freelance you know small sure. production company. So where'd you get the name? Uh, that is a great that is a great <laughs> question. I was hoping you were going to ask that. Of course. Um, so Cheap Heat Productions comes from my love for professional wrestling. I mean, I, I fell in love with professional wrestling right. before I fell in love with movies. Okay. All filmmaking became was a way for me to get into the wrestling industry. The only thing I knew was like, well, if I can learn how to visually tell a story, I should be able to like verbally tell a story, right? And you met? Uh, have you met any wrestlers? Like, you know, any of these people that you look up to or the ones that you really like? Yeah, I mean, you know, I haven't met like guys at the top, top of yeah. the mountain, but I've met a lot of really, really good mentors at the level that I'm at right now, and, and it's been great. But mm-hmm. um, cheap heat 
Yeah. That those two words comes from uh, old terminology in professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. Cheap heat. <clears throat> heat is the word heat you can define as when a bad guy in professional wrestling makes the crowd boo him. Okay. Now, cheap heat would be cheap, exactly what it sounds like. It's an easy way for me to get heat as a bad guy. The go-to way in the 70s and 80s to get cheap heat as a bad guy was to come into a new city and directly just take a crap on all the sports teams that everybody loves. So if you were wrestling in Chicago, the first thing you were saying when you were hitting that ring was, oh my gosh, how bad are the Chicago Bears? How trashy are the White Sox? The Cubs are horrendous. So by the time that, you know, television comes back from an ad break, the crowd is already <laughs> booing the heel. So that's that's what you call cheap heat. And for me, I was just really looking for some kind of way to marry my love for professional wrestling and filmmaking. And I was like, that's just a, an awesome production company name, so let's do it. No, I, I think, I mean, one, I love the explanation. Two, I love that it's very methodical. And, you know, some people, I think people forget that. Like, there is always something to be said in the name, right? Yeah. Um, and sometimes, you know, like you watch, especially you watch independent movies, and there's kind of like the joke that like you'll see like 10 different production company labels yep. before yep. the credits actually start rolling and some you're just kind of like eh, mm, mm. Yep, there's a lot um but no i think i think that's really cool and i think it's i think it's cool what you're doing um like i said with this this is the first uh not your first but like you said this is the first one that you have worked on with uh with jake right no this is my first film oh I, okay yep this okay. is our this is our number one first film this was the first attempt at doing anything like i mean i think film. for a first i mean you know you, no no movie is ever perfect and there's some things you know that you know i maybe would have done differently a little bit but i honestly like there's a lot that you're able to pull off well in this um and i think a lot of that is just from your guys's determination and wanting to to tell an entertaining story and i was entertained not just saying that so <laughs> well that's good we, we appreciate that <laughs> yeah yeah no um I, i'd love to be able to connect with you guys uh down the road whenever you guys have another project kind of lined up and stuff um that's part of the joys of this festival is getting to meet people like yourself yeah. and understanding that we're not alone in this uh, i think it's definitely a big big thing yeah Absolutely. And, and it's something where, you know, Jake, Jake especially wanted me to make sure that everybody knew, you know, if there's anybody listening that was a part of the project, uh, that he expresses like the most gratitude for everyone because mm-hmm. this project would not have been possible without the help of so many awesome people in the Dubuque, Potosi and Benton community. Um, and I think it's, it's a, it's a perfect example of what is obtainable as a student filmmaker in Iowa Mm -hmm. and it it really does show that you know it doesn't take much to meet people in this state and to make good movies and I think you know just the the biggest thing that that confronts Iowa film right now is that everybody in Iowa is just spread out in Iowa yeah and and not everyone knows that everyone exists and Mm -hmm. you know figuring out a way that we can bring people together like that there's a lot of really good companies that are doing that renovo media and clear lake they're a company that i've worked for they were the company that helped me uh get booked on my first feature film they are one of the best along with produce iowa and everybody who just wants filmmakers in iowa to know where they can get their hands on assets where they can get their hands on funding where they yeah. can rent gear where they can meet actors where they can learn about the industry well, just and get jobs it sounds like too like yeah. it sounds like they put out you know like hey like we need people for this this and that yeah and, and and it's just one of those things where there are like so many good people here in iowa and mm-hmm. i think you know give it a give it a couple years but i, I do think that we're going to get to see some some really cool films get made gotta talk about this and then i think we'll we'll start wrapping this up here because i i don't want to take away your yeah, whole, no. t- whole time at the festival you're fine you're um fine. some of the cliche questions that you ask any person that loves movies but just tell me some of your favorite movies the ones that really hit you um okay so uh favorite director okay tarantino all right by far favorite movie reservoir dogs Okay. Not going to change. It's my favorite movie. It impacted me the most. I watched it. I said, wow, this is different. Movies are different. Um, right now, I am on a massive uh, Michael Mann kick. Oh, 
I God, I love Michael Mann. I, I just <laughs> I I just watched the made-for-TV movie The Jericho Mile like okay. this past week, and oh my gosh, if you haven't seen The Jericho Mile, I have not. Please go and watch it. it when, when, in, did the, when did he make that? Uh, I believe it was made in '79. Okay, it's my third favorite prison movie, next to Shawshank and Green Mile, which I, I think like are like a good prison, movie. The, the best prison movies. So I would I would definitely tell everybody to check that out. But I mean, like you know, for me. I think I think my, my taste, especially right now, is changing. I mm-hmm. you know I didn't grow up knowing films. I'm 24 now, and now I'm meeting people who are introducing me to like the classic films. So mm-hmm. I, I'm almost thankful that I didn't watch some of these movies when I was younger, and right. now I'm just getting to experience them for the first time because I think like you know directors like P.T. Anderson yeah. and yep. uh, Tarantino and man and and just you know guys who aren't afraid to tell their story well and they have a very distinct vision i mean you without sounding pretentious because i i I don't like some of the pretentiousness that comes with the world of film yeah but there there are tours i mean they are like you watch any one of their movies it's unmistakably theirs yep and you kind of you sometimes can't even almost put it in the words what it is with michael mann though because i'm just i'm a man fan yes absolutely uh, i i will say his he has one of the most real, just most realistic sensibilities about himself as a filmmaker. Oh, like so movies good. like, uh, you know, he and Public Enemies, uh, you know, even the Collateral, uh, even the Miami Vice movie, which I'm not going to say is, it's not one of his greatest. Yep. But his camera work and just kind of the raw, organic vibe that he has developed over his career is like, I look forward to watching a movie, even if I'm like, I might be like, you know, either bored by the story or like something's not working, but like just visually, I'm like, this is like raw and gritty, and there's very few people I think that can pull it off as well as he does. Yeah, absolutely, and that's something where I mean, like I, you know, I just I just thought about it too. I, I can't leave out like Scorsese. Oh, it's sure. Just you know, the thing that is interesting is trying to reflect on this question right now as a 24 year old who's like just trying to get started in this industry is like, yeah, what are you trying to say? Mm-hmm. Every filmmaker gets asked, you know, like at the end of the day, what are you trying to say with your films? And mm-hmm. for me, I just love movies that are big. Mm-hmm. I love movies that can help you escape and put you into this different world. And, mm-hmm. and these characters, maybe they are realistic. Maybe they are, you know, like Tarantino does. Maybe they're throwing just the everyday talk that you know you have with your friends. They're they're throwing it at you right in your face and, and they're not afraid to do that. And, you know, I think it's if if there's if there's any good way to put a cap on it, I I, I love heat and and my, my go to quote is it's it's not it's not the end of the road that's the best. For me, the action is the juice. The action is the juice. So R.I.P. Tom. R.I.P. Tom Sizemore, man. <laughs> Absolutely. For, for me, the action is the juice, and it's it's just making the movies that are great. So I mean, that's we we love just being in the element and, yeah. and making it happen. So we're we're hoping to just keep doing it. No, that's awesome. I, I sorry, you're talking about Heat, so I'm like, I, it's like, God, I want to keep talking about this. But um, did you read Heat two? I have book? not. I have not. I actually you just know found about out it, that right? I just found out that it existed. Okay, and I am definitely going to be reading it very soon. Definitely, definitely read it. I it's one of the few times I've like pre-ordered a book because I got hyped and and I have read it all. Um, I actually do have a podcast on it, so if you want to go back in my library Absolutely. and take a look there at it, I talk about uh, I talk about the 4K restoration of Heat and then also heat too so it's kind of a, a dual podcast if Very you will cool. but definitely I, I i gotta just i'm talking about this because i put a lot of research into that episode yeah yeah um so if you're a heat fan and you want to like go down the deep end on that that's a great one to listen to but awesome um, I'll say keep an eye out for that one not just the book because man supposedly I, is I've going heard. to be developing yep. it i think if you read the book, I honestly think it's almost a little too big for one movie. Okay. I think it actually might be better uh, served as like a, a mini series or something yeah. like that. But yeah. who knows? I know I'm excited for his next project, which is the one uh, with Adam Driver, the uh, Enzo Ferrari uh, biopic. Yep. Don't know jack about cars, but I know Adam Driver's really good, and I know Michael Mann. Yeah, it's one of those people. Like it don't it doesn't matter what his name's attached to. Like yeah. it, I don't give a shit. Like I see it. 
I'm there. Exactly. Um, but it's really been a pleasure talking with you, man. I've, I've enjoyed this. Yeah, absolutely. This this has been just a great experience for us, and, and we're happy that more people are going to get to see the movie and, and see what you can do here in Iowa as a filmmaker. Yes, absolutely. All right, well, on that note, I will end this uh, and just say support Iowa-based films, honestly, uh, because even for a guy like myself that's been a movie geek my whole life, the doors are opening, even at this festival, kind of figuring out the opportunities that I have been... I don't. I guess I'll kind of say ignorant too, because I just I, like a lot of people. I get caught up in my day to day and the other outside things, and I forget uh, some of the things that are going on out there. But I really encourage people out there, specifically in the Iowa area, if you're interested, know that there are others. Uh, you're not alone on this. And honestly, the way it's going to get done is like going back to Jack Nicholson. But you, you gotta, if you want it, you gotta take it. Nobody nobody's likely going to show you how to do this. You just got to do it. That is the, the hardcore truth. You just got to keep making movies and remember that the, the action is the juice, man. You yeah. just got to keep and making And all the movies. mistakes, too. I think some people get, like, they get so freaking self-critical, like, when, like, they screw up on something or, like, yeah. they're embarrassed about something they put out. I'm like, don't be. Uh, one of the best pieces of advice I was ever given as a young guy was, it's only weird if you make it weird. Yep. It's all about your perspective and how you kind of look at it, and you're growing, so the hell with it. The hell with the naysayers. Do it because you love it. That's the thing at the end of the day. So Absolutely. That is all I have to say, but thank you very much for talking with me, and definitely check out the way it was. Yeah, thank you so much, Jordan. Appreciate it.